Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we bow before this morning and thank you for this special day you have blessed us with. I thank you for everyone that's gathered here. May you bless them as they listen to your word preached, and may you bless their hearts. Help us to have open hearts this morning to receive your word. May you, Brother Mel, as he shares, bless them with clarity of mind and thought. Also pray a blessing on these four young people who have chosen to follow you. May this be a special day for them and a day that would be with them for the rest of their life. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> Greetings in Jesus' name and welcome to each one this morning. It's good to be here. This is a very special time, something that I always look forward to. Um, for all of us as a church and also for the class here this morning. These four young people have committed themselves to follow Jesus, have accepted him, and this is a public declaration or statement of that. And so I'd like to certainly invite your, your attention, your prayers as we continue. Also, just a note of thanks to the local church here. Several, <clears throat> several weeks ago, you had shared a love gift with us very generously. <clears throat> Thank you for that. God bless you for that. As I was thinking about baptism, which is, of course, the subject for this morning, there's a few thoughts that sort of new to me, and I, I, I had to, uh, as I thought about the title, The Beauty of Baptism, and I'd like to look a little bit about, uh, at that, where it, where it may have started, <clears throat> excuse me, and how it how it came to be where we use it today. Uh, baptism is first mentioned in, in the uh, New Testament with the ministry of John the Baptist. But this idea of ceremonial washings and cleansings was common in the Old Testament. That was nothing new. But it's the meaning and the use of the word baptism that, that has really become uh, sort of unique and that is sort of a New Testament practice in the new way that it's been, it's been, uh, it's being used. <clears throat> Hebrews 9:10 uh, talks a lot about talks about the divers' washings, meaning the various cleansings and washings that they that they did, even in the Old Testament. And that word comes from the Greek word baptismos, which is where we get our word baptized or baptismal. <clears throat> and in many cases. Those washings are usually come from that root word baptismal. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 3. I'll read a couple of verses here. This is the, 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 the setting of John the Baptist starting his ministry, <clears throat> where he, it says that he went, up, went about preaching and baptizing those people in that area. Let's read Matthew. 3 verse 1 through 5. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and a leather girdle about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. 
Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan, and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. <clears throat> Thinking more of these uh, divers' washings and cleansing in the Old Testament, just to give you a few examples of that. Leviticus 8.12 gives instruction for pouring oil on the head of a priest, signifying consecration, sanctification, and preparation for the ministry to the Lord. Numbers 8, 5 through 15, Moses sprinkled water on the Levites as a sign of cleansing and purification. Leviticus 14.18, the priest was to pour oil on the head of a leper that was cleansed. Numbers 19.20, a person who was unclean had to be sprinkled with water. So we see there's a lot of different applications, a lot of different scenarios, and not only water, but oil, water, and blood we're using depending on the situation. So we have many examples of this cleansing and purifying by washing or baptizing, as uh, the Greek word would say. So the word itself isn't really that new, but it did take on a whole new meaning. You know, there's a lot of words in our day that are much more common now than they were years ago. Think about the word selfie. Did we use that 20, 30 years ago, those who've been around that long? Not really. Now, the concept is not new, because I've seen photos of a photographer that had a 35 millimeter camera and he took a selfie. Now he had to set this thing on a tripod and adjust the timer and then he'd stand back, click, you know. That was a selfie back then. So that concept isn't new, but the use of the word has greatly expanded to where we are today. There's a lot of words like that that we think of that probably due to technology, we may not even have barely used them or knew what they were years ago. I see baptism as a little bit like that too. You know, when you think of where it came from, and I just gave a couple examples of the washings that they did, the uh, baptism is a little bit like that. And then God, through the Holy Spirit, took this to a whole new level and prescribed some new uses for the word. And uh, especially as it relates to the body of Christ uh, and how that, yeah, how that relates to us as believers today. And you know, there's no other word used in the Bible as a synonym. Who knows what a synonym is? Any fifth graders, sixth graders? When do you learn that? Anyone? Okay, it could be when one, or t one of two or more words that have the same meaning. And there's a lot of them. But I didn't do a lot of research, but I did come across this in my study. The Bible has no synonym for baptism or baptize. So it's a very unique <clears throat> word in that. And with a new meaning. Not only is the use of the word uh, broadened, God through the Holy Spirit directed the New Testament writers and speakers to use it in that way. Um, but we also see a lot of symbolism, symbolism in the baptism that we know of and the washings in the Old Testament. You know, it, it typifies remission of sins and cleansing. 
uh, the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus Christ in our lives. All of these washings and, and uh, cleansings that they were due had were some type of cleansing or purification or holiness. That was part of it. Some of them were, yeah, physical cleansing, but many of them were just a, a ceremony and... and uh, but that's, that's what uh, God gave the, the Old Testament in the law. So we see a lot of symbolism between the uh, Old Testament cleansings and washings and the, uh, the, the way baptism is typified there. I'd like to just briefly go through and speak briefly of the different types of baptism that Scripture gives us. Of course, we have water baptism. We just uh, briefly introduced that in Matthew 3. And Scripture does record about a dozen cases in the New Testament where that was administered to believers. Um, I think it's interesting that the Bible records a lot of those cases, not, um, you know, to, to um, well, from, from Acts on, a lot of different groups of people, a lot of different scenarios, uh, all races, this is all um, recorded in Scripture. <clears throat> then there's, Spirit, spirit baptism, this was also introduced in Matthew 3 by John the Baptist. He said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he, referring to Christ, shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Man baptizes with water, God baptizes with the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says, For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. Then there's baptism with fire and again spoken of in, in, in Matthew 3 fire is typical of, of, of zeal and purification both essential to effective Christian, Christian service then there's a baptism of suffering it's not named as such in scripture but it's a principle that is taught there's um, it's like the, um, the refiner's fire that tests her qualities as believers and helps us to stand fast in the faith. <clears throat> I'd like to look at some of the requirements as given in scripture for water baptism. And I think we have, certainly we've had the opportunity to meet with the class the last half year and be able to um, look again at that. But the basic requirements are faith, repentance, and conversion. Faith in Jesus Christ. Turn with me to Acts chapter 8. We have an interesting scene here of, of the Holy Spirit directing Philip to meet this person. This eunuch was traveling from point A to point B and was reading the scripture out loud. Philip overheard him and question him on his understanding of what he's reading and invited Philip to join him in the chariot <clears throat> which he did Philip goes all the way through and explained to him starting with the while well, he was reading in the prophet Isaiah and um, explained this whole thing from then till where they were and after a while the, the uh, Ethiopian asked Ask him, he said, what doth hinder me? Why can't, why, what, how, how about I be baptized? 
And Philip answered, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And that's what happened right then and there. We also have the uh, Philippian jailer. That's in Acts 16. I don't think we'll turn to that. Where Paul and Silas were in prison. And after their hymn-sing, as you will, they, the, the prisoners were released. The doors flew wide open. And they were free to go. But they chose to stay. And of course, through that, the jailer also asked, what must I do to be saved? And uh, Paul's reply was, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's what happened. Again, right then and there, he believed, and I'm not quite sure, um, certainly the, the Spirit was working mightily in his life, but then again, you have a really powerful example of these two prisoners who were previously locked in a solitary confinement, as we would say, uh, in stocks and chains, which were usually a very secure and uncomfortable position, whatever that may have been. And uh, what, a great, what a great testimony that, that was to that particular uh, guard as he witnessed that. Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Faith in Christ Jesus precedes baptism. You know, sometimes we, we refer to, to this as believer's baptism, meaning, uh, typically meaning an adult or someone with a level of understanding that understands and comprehends what's taking place. And I guess for that reason, infants and young children are usually not part of this <clears throat> for that reason. We feel that a person needs to make a personal decision on his own or her own to come to that point and request that and uh, take that step. The next requirement, repentance. In uh, Acts chapter 2, that's the scene that we have there at uh, Pentecost when the Spirit came upon all those that were there. The disciples were uh, empowered with the Holy Spirit and they started um, speaking in various tongues and Peter took the initiative and explained this whole thing to them. And Peter didn't really spare words. He went right up from, took them back to the prophet um, who prophesied this, that this is what would happen. And this is what you're seeing right here. And then eventually, as they did in the early church, somehow their topic always came back to the resurrection. That was the very key subject in their preaching in the early church. Of course, you'll remember too that they had, uh, prior to this, must have been, well, it would have been 50 days prior to this, um, when Jesus actually rose from the dead. And the, the, the guards bribed, I mean, the, the, the Pharisees and rulers bribed the guards to lie about his, his not being in the tomb. And here you have the disciples, the apostles, every time they preach, it's about the resurrection. Really was a key focus in their early church uh, preaching. And after all of this, and then, of course, Peter he goes on to, uh, well, there at the very uh, the end of uh, chapter 36 of Acts 2. Um, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly 
that God hath made the same Jesus whom ye crucified, both Lord and Christ. Like I said, Peter didn't, he didn't tap dance around the issue. This same Jesus whom ye crucified has made him both Lord and Christ. And certainly the Holy Spirit was speaking mightily through Peter and in the hearts and lives of those that were listening. They too were convicted. What shall, what shall we do was their question. Peter's reply was repent and be baptized. Repentance. Matthew 3, um, John rebuked the Pharisees by calling him to bring forth fruits, meat for repentance. <clears throat> what does that word repent mean? It means to change one's mind to amend with abhorrence one's past sins. So it does mean a very... Um, Deliberate and intentional change. Move on to conversion. Maybe not a big difference, but there is some difference. Um, Acts 3.19, again going back to the early church, when again they, have, they had the, the case where the um, lame man was healed as he lay there by the temple gate uh, waiting for alms. And that was, that was his... That was his living. That's how he survived. And again, this is Peter and John having just displayed or performed this powerful attention-getting miracle. They really did have the, the attention of the audience. Peter again took the opportunity to explain to them how or why this happened. And um, of course, again, Peter somehow always directs it back to the uh, crucifixion, Acts 3, verses 14 and 15. He talks about that, and he says, And killed the prince of life, whom God hath raised from the dead, wherefore we are witnesses. They really did witness that. But this is the scene here when they, they were again convicted, and uh, verse 19, verse 18, we have the, 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 the crowd uh, responding to that, verse 19, Peter says, Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. That word convert means, uh, it means to turn oneself around, to come back, or to return, or to turn back. So it would indicate kind of a, a 180 degree uh, turn in your life, and heading back to where what you left earlier. Requirements of water baptism, faith, repentance, and conversion. I'd like to spend a little bit of time speaking about the Holy Spirit baptism. We will, before long, be witnessing water baptism. Holy Spirit baptism is not quite as obvious, not quite as visible. Uh, but I'd like to look at that and turn with me to John chapter 14 as we, as we get sort of the, the setting here where Jesus... Jesus talked about this. <clears throat> Jesus was meeting with his disciples prior to his crucifixion. And they were troubled. You'll see that in <clears throat> verse 1 of chapter 14. <clears throat> Excuse me. They were troubled. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. And he goes on, the next couple of chapters in fact, to give them some peace of mind, they give them something that they can hang on to, 
But go with me to chapter, or uh, yeah, chapter 14, verses 15 to 18. John chapter 14. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of death, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come. I will come to you. So we have Jesus giving it a bit of a heads up as to what's going to happen. Jesus went on to say that I need to leave so the Comforter can come. You know, while Jesus was on earth, he was a human like you and I. He was limited to one place at one time. He couldn't be all places everywhere at that time. So for that reason, he had to leave so that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, or he calls him the Comforter, could come. The Comforter can then be every place, everywhere, and in, uh, he's not limited to his physical being like Jesus was. The Holy Spirit is now able to be everywhere at all times. It's hard for us to comprehend and understand that, but uh, that's, that's the spirit world. The Holy Spirit certainly does that. Uh, and if we look at the couple of verses here in John 14, thinking of Holy Spirit baptism, um, verse 26, Jesus promised to send the Holy Spirit, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Again, um, thinking of the Holy Spirit working in our lives, um, and Jesus identifies him there as the, the Comforter or the Holy Ghost, he shall teach you all things and bring things to your remembrance. Certainly, I can testify to that, and I'm, I'm sure that most of us can, as we have any, any time of walking with the Lord. We will look back and think of times like that. Jesus promised this to his disciples and to us. If you look at the... Um, Turn back to Acts chapter 1. This is, the, uh, this is, again, going back to that scene just before Pentecost. Jesus was with his disciples there outside of Jerusalem. And just before he was getting ready to leave the earth in a physical way. Acts 1 verses 4 and 5. And he, and being assembled together with them, that means his, his apostles, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. But wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. Very like referring back to that discussion that we just had here in, in John 14. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Again, Jesus promised that to his disciples and to us, that this Holy Spirit will also live with us. So we, we see that the Holy Spirit now lives within us as believers, guiding and directing us each day. Now this might seem a little bit overwhelming, maybe especially to the class, but it is true. Uh, it might be a little bit uh, hard to comprehend or imagine, but I guess I'd like to think of a little bit as in a, maybe in a relationship, 
possibly a marriage might be a good example. Longer you're married to your spouse, the more you get to know, the closer you get, the more intimate you get to know each other. I guess I'd kind of like to think of that as my relationship with the Holy Spirit or yours. So even though this might look a little bit overwhelming and daunting at times, um, you will grow in that as you give yourself to that. I'm going to read a couple of verses from 1 Corinthians. This is Paul speaking to the church at Corinth. And the church of Corinth was not a model church. I think most of you who know me heard me say that before. The church of Corinth had a lot of issues. A lot of sin, gross sin, that they were dealing with, that Paul had to address and deal with. We would, we would label some of those as really bad stuff. In spite of that, this is the beginning of the chapter, this is the beginning of the book. Paul hasn't even gotten into addressing their their sins and things that they had this that they, that they had to deal with. But First Corinthians two, verse twelve. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us, which things also we speak, not in words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which which the Holy Ghost teacheth comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Moving on to chapter 3, verse 16. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Very, very clear right there. The Spirit of God does dwell in, certainly in them and us as well. You know, um, and I, I guess I take a lot of courage in that, because there certainly are times, I'm sure most of you can you know, who walked with the Lord any length of time, can look back to where you really did get some direction from the Lord. And it might be just an everyday item, just an everyday occurrence. I think I shared this with the class <clears throat> earlier this spring, but there was a time when, oh, years ago, Ann and I were looking to buy a property here in this area. And, of course, we had a few friends and, and, and people that we knew and it, of course, back then, there wasn't the internet. You had to actually get in a car and drive around and look at properties. That was the only thing. Maybe you could see a little picture in the paper. So, and I remember driving all over the county. I think that one day we stopped and looked at 14 properties. Now, we didn't get out of the car and go in the house. Some of we didn't even pull off the road. But that was how we shopped for properties back then. So then, after doing that for a time or so, you kind of get a feel for what's out there and what's available and, you know, what can we afford, what do we want, what do we not want. It came down to three properties, three different properties that would have suited us, you know, to some degree. There's never the perfect place that meets all your wants and criteria. So we did have this, we were down to three. And uh, I remember, you know, we, we prayed about it and... It was probably just a day or two later, we both kind of focused on where we are now. And, and I, I take a lot of pleasure in that, and I pass this on to the class. God is interested in your life and interested in your well-being. He really is. And wants what's best for you. And I look back now, and of course... Every once in a while I drive by those other properties that we looked at and I think, I'm glad I don't live there, <laughs> you know, for whatever reason. And they were way over near the side of the county, so it was quite a ways from here. And at the time, yes, we were, Crystal Valley was established, we were attending church here. 
But my job was a little more, at the time I was working up in the city or soon after that. And so a lot of things changed since then that really would have been sort of a less than ideal had we moved to, some, to one of those other two places. But I'm just going to leave that with the class. You know, ask God. He will, he will give you direction. Um, of course, we obviously sought the counsel of our parents and those who we knew in the area. And they really did give us some good guidance and some good directions. You know, there are obviously conditions that need to be met as we, as we expect the Holy Spirit to guide us. Um, you know, he comes to those who accept Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior of their lives. Remember the time when um, Simon the sorcerer saw Peter and the apostles with this great supernatural power that they were doing, things that they were doing, and he would have liked that and wanted to buy it, wanted to buy it from Peter. Uh, you know, he, he must have had some resources. And Peter quickly told him and reminded of this unreasonable request because he had the gall of bitterness and the bond of iniquity that was holding on his life. Peter saw through that. And of course, he wasn't granted that power. The Holy Spirit was not dwelling in him because he hadn't given himself to the Lord as Lord and Savior of his life. So there are conditions that need to be met. And I think we have seen evidence of this class. These in the class certainly have met those conditions and we look forward to uh, them growing in their walk and giving themselves to God's uh, work and eventually and more and more being able to uh, discern, I guess I would say, the Spirit's direction in your life. You know, he comes to those who ask and seek earnestly for him. So I'm going to leave you with that. Certainly looking forward to um, this service and after after the prayer I'm going to turn it over to uh, Lester and Lauren and they will proceed. I guess let's let's just kneel as we pray before God right now. Shall we kneel? Dear God we thank you for this day. Thank you for this special day that you have brought us to. Thank you for the commitment that we see from these four young people and the, um, the joy that is in their faces. We pray, Lord, that as they take this step, this could be a real milestone, a stepping stone, growth in their lives as they seek your will further. We just pray, Lord, that they would continue to give themselves to you and be able to discern your will for their lives more and more keenly as they walk closer with you. Thank you for the church. Thank you that you have taken this baptism to a whole new level, especially as it relates to the local church, uh, local churches. Thank you, Lord, that, that uh, these four young people have committed themselves to, to walk with you. And we pray that you would give them grace now as they um, identify and become a part of this local body here. May they continue to find joy and fulfillment in this and find meaningful ways of serving you and living for you. We want to commit them into your hands 
and the rest of the service. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Master and Lord. I appreciated what Mel shared with us. I think he clearly laid out what the scripture teaches about baptism and in, in teaching us uh, the different types of baptism as well. I want you as young people here on the front bench to think about that, how that, you know, in, in some ways you already have been baptized and you will continue to be baptized. He talked about the, the baptism of the spirit and of fire and of suffering as well as, as water baptism which is what we plan to do here this morning. You have the privilege of being here in a comfortable building surrounded by at least some of your family and friends. I want to remind you that there was those who went before us who suffered when they made a decision to do this, what you're doing today. And um, I believe those in the world today, even in some places and in some religions or when they're surrounded by family or friends of certain religions where they still face that kind of persecution when they make a decision to follow Christ and make that known. So um, just as a, a reminder, an encouragement especially to you that the same faith that they have, that those people have have accepted and have the same God that they believe in is, is the one that you are also expressing faith in today. And God's word gives you many, many promises. And those promises um, are, are for you as today and in the circumstances you're in, as well as they are for, for those who, who literally put their lives on the line when they make this decision. So remember that God will be faithful. God will give you what you need to live faithfully for him. Um, at this time, I'm going to ask you each to share your testimony with the church. Just publicly acknowledge your faith in Christ and the decision you've made. And I've asked Kevin as the oldest to start and then, then go by age. My favorite verse is Proverbs 3.6. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Through the influence of my family and church, I felt the need to become a Christian. By taking this step in my life today, I am committed to follow Christ at Crystal Valley and to be obedient to the church. I am thankful to be a part of this church. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you may have peace. In this world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. John 16:33. I like this verse because Jesus is realistic. He admits, even promises, it will be hard. He knows he was here and was tempted too. Knowing that he has gone through what I am going through and overcame it makes it easier to trust him and fully open up to him. But even better than that, he is here to help too. He offers us peace daily. The thought that the Lord of the universe is willing to go through all that and help me through my struggles too is amazing, and he wants a relationship with me. I've grown up always hearing about Jesus, so it's hard to know exactly when or how I first truly believed, 
but I'm confident that it has happened. Knowing that I have a helper beside me every single day is the best news ever because I don't have to go through this alone. Thank you all for being here today. Uh, I am thankful to the church and the pastors for giving me a Christian environment, environment and for teaching me of Christ. And I thank my mom and dad for showing me Christ and being good examples. So around the age of 10, I gave my life to God. And then at the age of 12, I rededicated my life to God. One of my favorite verses is Joshua 1, 9. Have not I commanded you, the, have I not commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. I'm thankful to God to what he has done for me and for giving, me, uh, for giving us this verse. Thank you again for all that you have taught me. I've known Jesus my entire life, so when I became a Christian, I just felt more passionate about the things that already knew. I praise and thank the Lord daily that I am his child. Psalms 150 verse 6 says, Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. I count it a privilege to become a part of this church. And please pray for me as I continue to serve the Lord. And thank each of you for doing that. This time I'll ask Lauren to come up here and, and assist me with administering water baptism. Each of these young people have, have expressed a desire to follow Christ and to be a part of the church here.
true, eternal, and almighty God, who is creator and preserver of all visible and invisible things. We believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We believe he is the only Savior of mankind, and he died upon the cross and gave himself a ransom for your sins, and that through him you might have eternal life. We believe in the Holy Spirit, which proceeds from the Father and the Son, and that he is an abiding comforter, who sanctifies the heart of men and guides them into all truth. I do. Are you truly sorry for your past sins, and are you willing to renounce Satan, the world, and all the works of darkness, and your own sinful desires? I do. Do you confess and declare that you have experienced the new birth? I do. Do you promise by the grace of God and the aid of the Holy Spirit to submit yourself to Christ, His Word, and the Church, and to faithfully abide in the saints the rest of your life? I do. Do you reach and support the statement of faith and standard of practice which have been adopted by such a thousand On the confession of your faith that there may be for God and the church, I now baptize you with water in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Go ahead.
At this time, I'm going to give opportunity for some of you to share some words of encouragement with them. And I'm going to, especially fathers or grandfathers that may be here, just, just if you care to, um, share a word of encouragement with these young people who have made this commitment today. Thank you. 
Is there anyone else out from the church here or outside of their family that would care to share some encouragement as well? Thank you. 